We're glad to have you with us for part four of our COVID-19 series, where we're podcasting during a worldwide lockdown. Despite social distancing, it's encouraging to hear how communities of faith are coming around their missionaries to be a blessing. You know, along those lines, I mean, you just, you you think of, I mean, here, here we are, you know, America, an incredibly developed nation. You see what's happened in New York. And, and just the cry of people, hey, we don't have enough ventilators, we don't have enough masks, the whole thing, you know, and and yet, you know, again, that's the reality of most of the rest of the world all the time. So, in fact, on today's, uh, our my, the Facebook link that I put up today, it's it went up this morning, is from a, um, a good friend of ours, good friend of mine <clears throat> that serves in Africa. They serve at, at Ch- Chikoria um, Rural Hospital in Kenya. <clears throat> And he's a former Bible college student of mine named guy named Derek Weber and his wife, Lauren. And he served down in Belize with my son and my brother for a while. Then, then got his, uh, went to school, got it, became a physician's assistant, married Lauren, who's a, was already a nurse. And they've been in, um, uh, well, first they were in Uganda for a number of years. Now they're in Kenya and they work at this hospital and her blog post that I linked to today was just, I mean, it was just really powerful where she's talking about being in the face of the storm. And, um, you know, she, she talks about the idea of preparedness and, and, you know, that's an ideal that we like to hold tightly to when crisis approaches, but what does that mean? Really? (laughs) You know, having enough physical resources. And then she talks about, Hey, we didn't have enough physical resources to run this hospital before this happened, you know? And, uh, so she says, you know, we, we, we grapple all the time with the ethical dilemma of who gets life-saving treatment and who doesn't. I mean, that's that's day-to-day life in a hospital in rural Kenya. And so, um, yeah. So it kind of links in, dovetails nicely with what we were talking about earlier, that those on the field, their response to this is, and well, this experience is not out that out of the ordinary to what they normally go through. And they've got something to say to us. I look at their blog. There's a lot of blogging going on right now <laughs> on their blog. And I, and I think that's outstanding. We're going to put a link into it, draw attention to it because um, number one, you shared it on Facebook, but we'll go ahead and make that a part of this podcast as well. Um, but they have something to share they have experience and they've kind of they've kind of blazed a trail ahead of us in in many ways yeah so again and that's where you look in the bigger picture you know and i and i just i've i've really been trying to emphasize that with the folks that i i serve here you know as i'm the interim pastor of this church in san diego um called radiance international church i just just say look you got to view this through the the bigger picture of god is sovereign that that he knows what's happening he's permitting it to happen as hard as that is for under, to understand and in the midst of it there are incredible expressions of his kingdom and his worth and his value uh being amplified that just haven't uh been been able to be amplified in this way previously i want to go back to the blog post that you just posted yesterday and um talk about that a little bit in that one, you just, you really encourage folks to, you know, continue, continue the work that they did. Can you give us just kind of a synopsis, kind of a teaser to get people to click through? 
Yeah, the synopsis is that um, I, you know, I have been asked a number of times, how is the economic downturn that's been created by the pandemic, how is that going to affect missionary support? Is it going to affect missionary support? And my my answer has been, and, and now I've I've been able to think it through why uh, a little more clearly. My answer has been, I don't think so. And the reason is because people that initially had made the decision to give the missions, they understand uh, that God is worth, uh, you know, God's God is worthy of being known by all people on the planet and that he's called some of his people to go and represent him and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And so at, at some point in the past, they had, they had certain convictions that led them to become a supporter of a missionary. And so if their budget is cut, they're the kind of people that would resist as long as possible stopping their financial support because they understand there's something more important, you know, than maintaining a li- our lifestyle here. And that is having God's people represented in places that don't have access like we do. So, so what I did in the blog post is I kind of just laid out, you know, hey, here's convictions that you already had that got you started on supporting a missionary go back to those convictions and let them let them continue to have their effect and and the truth of who God is and his worth and value um, that you believed in first well that opportunity for that to be even amplified in a greater way is 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 even greater now because of the pandemic so keep giving basically was the point yeah last week or the last time we uh, we chatted yeah you circled around Philippians a little bit and uh, it just reminds me of that verse in First Philippians, Philippians 1, 6. It says, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So that, that good thing you started doing, keep doing. You know, that's the encouragement from, from Paul in Philippians, which, by the way, was written from prison. And we all feel like we're in prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Makes me think of uh Pastor Chuck. He would sing these songs. Pastor Chuck Chuck Smith, the uh, founder of Calvary, would sometimes he'd wrap up a service, just uh, a message, just be like, "He who began a good work in start singing that old." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he would it do would, that. It yeah. would just cool. melt my heart, you know, and just like that's what I want to be when I grow up. And and you know, the these missionaries and these folks that um you know, what's that what's that that very basic concept that you are you are either called to go or you're called to send. And or you're in or you're in dis- well, I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> I want to do is I want to, I mean, I love to celebrate, you know, what these missionaries are doing on the field, like the Webbers. Um, and also those folks that are just like, that are just like continuing to give and there there's, and then there's so many people that are just stepping up right now. And, and I just, man, I, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that shaves his head, but as I, even as I'm saying that, I feel my hair standing up, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, I, I just, I, just seeing guys, people really take God seriously and generosity seriously and, and 
connecting that to what God has called them to do and then God working through them. Oh man, it's just, it's just such a blessing in all of that. And, and you just don't realize it until you you're in this situation. That's right. And, and really, you know, that, that text in first in Philippians chapter one, just is so it's been so important to me over the years, but verse 12 to me is is the verse that encapsulates my perspective on this whole thing um because here's so here's the situation you know paul founded the church in philippi it's it's described in Acts 16 him and silas started the church there he did jail time there he was beaten there he was miraculously uh could have been left the prison chose not to stayed in the prison um, long story short, Paul planted this really great church and, and it's got a, he's got an incredible connection to it. Well, now years later, he's in prison as he writes this letter to them. And, and, and you can, you can sense in the Philippians mind, Paul is their hero. Paul's the guy that started their church. He was so influential and he's this incredible tool in the hands of God. And now he's, he's locked up. He's, he's in jail. And Paul, it's like Paul, as he writes, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to, to, to think about what they're thinking. And he knows what they're thinking. You know, he's thinking they're going, wow, Satan scored a victory here. God's sharpest tool is locked up uh, now. Um, The gospel and the advance of the gospel is not going to go forward. Um, What are we going to do without our guy, you know, that led us to the Lord and has invested so much into us? And so Paul, you know, inspired by the Spirit, recognizes this. So he says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So what he's doing is he's saying, listen, you guys think the enemy is getting a victory here and that God's purposes have been halted. But in reality, my being locked up because God is sovereign <laughs> has actually furthered the gospel. The gospel advance is, is going forward in a, at a greater way and a more effective way because I'm not locked, because I'm locked up. And when I look at this, what's going on in the world, I have to view this. This is the light through which I view it, the sovereignty of God, that as tragic as this is, um, and as upsetting as it is to every facet of our lives, like we talked about, the the reality of God and spirituality and, and where do I stand with God if I get the virus and I check out of this world, the advancement of the gospel is 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 going to be enhanced i hate to say that well it's the truth because it's the thing is is it's just so many people are mobilized right now so many people that haven't been mobilized because because of the way we and you gotta you gotta also it's like paul gets put in prison it's not like people can go to another church you know, church planting is kind of a brand new concept. And they may have been like, I guess there's a little church planting trends over with. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's a whole new concept. And it's like, it's, it's, and what we're in now is a whole new concept. And it's, it's like, I, I feel like there's people working hard and maybe we're doing the same thing to, to, you know, be relevant in this time. Um, to, to somehow set themselves apart. But there are people that like have no platform except for the platform of talking over their fence to the neighbor or whatever they're doing, um, where they are on the mission field or wherever they are, you know, as they've come off the mission field, but everybody 
is now mobilized and has to do something different and 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 God's going to be glorified, man. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, that's okay. And that's and that's the point that he goes on to make. You know, he says because I'm locked up, it's it's uh, what's happened to me has for, has really served to advance the gospel. So that number one, I'm I have access now to the palace guards. The guys that are guarding me are the guys that are around Caesar. So I've got access to, to share with powerful, influential people that have connections, and I can share the gospel with them. And then he says, not only that. But a lot of brothers, a lot of brothers and sisters are, are now more bold to share their faith because I'm locked up. You know, so that whole section, I just, I, lo- I love that section. And, and, and there is, and I was wondering if it would be visible, if it was actually going to happen. And if it was, it would be visible. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people and, I've, and from what I've read and what I've heard, there is, people are thinking at a deeper level about what life really is, about whether there is a God. And, and if, if there is a God, why is this happening? The fact that they're even thinking about God rather than just uh, living all that the day-to-day life has, that's, those are on-ramps for the worth and the value of God to be shared by those that know him. And we have so many platforms to do it. And I have to give a little testimony. I'm talking to my next door neighbor on Saturday, and usually we're talking about, you know, leave raking and you know, barbecuing and, you know, playing guitars and stuff. But he, you know, he came up to start a, struck up a conversation, kept, kept a good social distance. Goes, Hey, you know, you're a man of the cloth, right? And- <laughs> <laughs> a man of the cloth. That's a crazy, I don't hear much anymore. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, uh, I'm like, I guess, yeah, kinda. And, uh, you know, and, and, um, and, he goes, so what, you know, where's this all in the Bible? And, and, uh, and I'm like, well, you know, and I just, I just, I want to try and pin down, you know, kind of what, if, what, if any tradition he came from and worked through that with him a little bit, but, but ultimately say, I just, you know, I'm like, whether this is a, you know, uh, end of the world situation, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm just not privy to that information. But when the information I am privy to is that stuff like this happens throughout human history and God uses that to draw people to him and, you know, wake people up to who he is and what he wants to do. And the next thing this guy said was just mind blowing. He goes, yeah, I guess it's a two way conversation, isn't it? Meaning <laughs> he's got to start a conversation with God. I was like, <laughs> that was yeah. just the natural flow of the conversation. It wasn't like, you know, I, I had a track in my pocket, you know, it was just um, people are thinking about God. Yeah. And, and what's, and so here's how I've, I've been thinking about it, about this and, and in these little devotionals that I'm doing for the, our little church over here, what's going on is when these kind of situations happen, people want reality interpreted interpreting reality. And when you think about, when you think about a parent and a child, when you have a kid, when you have babies and they start to grow up, what, what is the major role of the parent? It's to interpret reality for their children. Life happens, stuff happens, the kids, it's all new to the kids. So what's the parent doing? The parent is speaking to the kid and interpreting the reality that they live in day to day. And so because of the pace of life and so forth that we normally live in, 
most people aren't, they don't care about interpreting reality. They're just living reality. These kind of moments provide an opportunity to, to give an interpretation of reality. And as Christians, we have what I, obviously I was a Christian, I believe we have the accurate interpretation of the reality. And I, I use that actually as a, like when I was in Indonesia sharing with some Muslim uh, people at a, at a university there or other Hindus that are uh, refugees that I've ministered to or whatever, I normally say to people why I'm a Christian. I say, listen, the reason I'm a Christian is because the worldview, the interpretation of reality that is in the Bible matches the actual reality of human history and the world that I live in day to day better than any other system of thought. And so, so it explains things and, and, you know, the, the idea of the explanatory power of, of the truth of the, of, of the Bible. And so, so I, I think what happens in moments like this is it, it, it gives, it gives everybody's coming up with an interpretation of the reality that we now find ourselves in. Christians have the real interpretation of reality and our spiritual, the metaphysical, uh, you know, beliefs that we have, the spirit world, the reality of the spirit realm, that we're spirit, spiritual beings and all that kind of stuff. Our interpretation based on the Bible matches the reality of what we see playing out in front of us. So, and in that is the opportunity then to talk about the God who understands suffering. Um, that no matter what happens, no matter how great the suffering was of your loved one or that you've lost, the God who created us and loves us and interacts with us, he has experienced that loss by choice. So anyway, not to preach a message or anything, but I just think that is one of the things that God is using this pandemic to bring to the surface and and the segue into what, you know, missions is. So those missionaries that are out there, the people that they're among need that interpretation of reality that only a Christian can bring and the way they interact with and respond to what's going on. And and I love that you said Christian and didn't say pastor or, yes, yes. you know, because, yeah. because this is, this is something that any of us can share with anybody. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's that simple. It doesn't take, you know, a super qualified person to a man of the cloth. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, uh, and it's just, I'll tell you what, man, it is so nice to be able to share your faith with somebody that really, really wants to know and that starts the conversation. I mean, that is just the best kind of conversation to be in. It it is, and and you know, again, I hate to keep, you know, I, I sometimes I get accused of being like anti-American or down on my own country and people, but the reality of it is, we're we live in a bubble, and and we're just so odd compared to the rest of the world. We're the aberration. We're the abnormality on this planet. Okay, but anyway, one of the ways the the point connecting to what you just said is like, look, when you go to another country. Your religious faith is part of who you are. They 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 initiate questions to you. Are you a Christian? Um, they're not offended if you say, are you a Muslim? Are you a Hindu? The mindset of most of the rest of the world, because they don't live compartmentalized lives, they don't have their church life and their home life and their work life 
and their recreation life, th their lives are just, it's, it's all one. It's a holistic life. And so your faith is part of who you are. So why, if you say you believe in God, why would you not want to talk about your God? Why would you be offended if I asked you about it? I'm not going to be offended if you ask me what my religion is. And so, so again, these kind of moments sort of strip down or, or puncture the bubble that we live in as Americans. And all of a sudden, what used to be taboo, spiritual talk, is now, hey, everybody's talking about it. Well, the rest of the world always was. <laughs> We're the aberration. So anyway. That's it. It's really it's it's nice to strip away all the all the stuff, you know. I mean, I'm I'm a little bummed, Jeff, that you don't have baseball to watch this time of year. Exactly, I'm bummed too. <laughs> but it's a luxury. It's a perk. It's like I really could never connect with you to talk about baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's like who cares? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's just me. I know that's a weirdo, non-jock kind of a. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, we really, I mean, to to just strip down the conversation and talk about stuff that's real. I mean, even going back to how people are greeting each other and not talking about the weather, you know, they're talking about. I mean, there's real empathy, and there's real. It's like. I want, I want to bear your burden. I need you to bear my burden. I mean, that is just so out there. And we've got to seize the moment. Um, and I think God's, a lot of God's people are. And so I think there's, I think there's becoming more and more clarity and contrast and these kind of things provide that opportunity for contrast. And Hey, never demean baseball because it is a godly sport. <laughs> no, I don't demean it. You know that, right? You know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Of course. Look because to me. Look explain hey, to me. The first, well, because the first verse of the Bible is in the beginning. Oh, the big inning. Yes, in the beginning. And, <laughs> and the first message Jesus gave was the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know you have bad dad jokes, so this is uh, there's there's bad pastor jokes too. <laughs> I was just trying to picture Jesus having a you know talking to a catcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's uh, I I just think uh, there's so many things going on right now, and I am just. Um, blessed, uh, but also feel challenged to, to challenge churches, to really encourage their people that are on the front lines um, and uh, to make sure everybody that supports them continues to support them, pray for them. And, it, and, and so step up their care for them while they're on the field, <clears throat> but also if they've chosen to come back, step up the care for them here, because it is very traumatic when they have to leave the field abruptly. And what they're coming back to is is uh yeah radically different than what they left there's a lot of uh yeah a lot of opportunity there for discouragement and the church can step into that void and, and be be jesus thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast for links to parts one two and three check the landing page for this podcast and remember to pray for 
and ask God about how you can be a blessing to missionaries. Why don't you take the time right now to pray for a missionary or missionaries you know. Once you've done that, email them a note letting them know you're praying. 